Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. Good morning, everybody. Hope you're doing amazing. Today, we're going to continue a series called Grow. And what's interesting about growth is we can do the work to cultivate uh, a space to grow, a garden to grow, but ultimately God does the growth and he gives us seed, he gives us the opportunity, he gives us the grace to even be disciplined, to be faithful, and then, but the fruit, the increase, man, that's what he does. He has to provide the rain, he's got to provide, he's just all the time in charge. And so today we're going to make another pass on destroying something that is contaminating Jesus' followers. And we're all prone to it because of just where we grow up. There's nothing wrong with being an American. It's beautiful. But there's everything wrong with putting the American culture and pop culture as that is exactly what a Christian should look like. And our success is often determined in our context or our culture if you externally are winning, then internally you're winning. And we don't esteem really, on, all right, like let me check how you're doing on your inside. What's your, what's your health like? What's your maturity like? How are you treating your relationships? Are, are you walking in forgiveness? Are you walking in humility? And the qualities of how the kingdom operates is quite contrary to how the world operates. In fact, we're rewarded often for what we do. And then we get accolades from it. Those are all amazing, but that's byproducts. That's not the product when we're walking in Jesus. Walking with Jesus is a life that's abiding, simply receiving and saying, I am a home. I am content in Christ. And as I gaze upon him, I realize he is the hardest worker. He's the greatest why. And now I'm motivated to live sustainably, but also not to outpace God. And so today is um, a message that is one of my life's struggles, one of my life's battles. It's destination focus versus journey focus. It's a life that feels fulfilled by the thrills. Now, in our society, thrills are everywhere. If you play a video game, you get a dopamine release real quick. I read an article that the people who develop a lot of the apps that our kids play in Silicon Valley, they don't let their kids play the apps they develop. Why? Because it starts to create an unsustainable rhythm in our minds. So today we're going to slow down and let God speak to us and go countercultural. And we're going in 1 Peter to begin this. 1 Peter is an interesting book because it's written to Christians that are following Jesus and they are living a life that is persecuted on high, elevated reds. They are being burnt as spectacle throughout the city. There's an emperor, a ruler in the city named Nero and Nero is consumed with power, consumed with the accolades and so much so that he has many believe, issued to destroy the city. And while the city is being destroyed, 
People are wondering who's destroying it, but he's the author. And he's blaming it on Christians, these new followers that are saying there's a new king that came. Those new, that are saying Christus Victor, that are saying we serve King Jesus, that blame it on all them. And so there is this uproar and not only has he destroyed the city, he is now the one who wants to rebuild the city just to fulfill that need for a thrill. The fulfill to a thrill. Well, it, it's, it's, never, it's never fulfilled. It's never satisfied. So you would think if we're going to read the letter of Peter, we would, we would it should, it should, uh, Bring a revolution. There should be an uproar. In fact, we see the opposite. There's a call to endure, a call to show the love of Christ, even when those are being persecuted, and to show enemy love. And you see right out in verse 2, in chapter 2, it says, Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. The reason I even tell us what's going on in the backdrop is just to give a light to what this verse highlights. Peter's talking about growth in the midst of death. I think that call can be here for us today too, to grow up. Look at your neighbor and say, grow up. Come on, you want to tell him, you've been wanting to tell him for a while, now's your time. Say, grow up. Now look at your real person in the mirror and say, it's time to grow up. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Anybody believe that the Lord is good today? Man, is God good? Is God good? Well, if God's so good, then let's quit acting like spiritual infants. That's what it's meaning. Spiritual infants that try to, if someone's wronged me, i got to wrong them. If, if, so, if, if uh, someone's gossiping about me, I'm going to gossip about them. If my boss is mean to me, I'm not going to fully invest my life and my time. What would it look like to live a life that's fully devoted to God? Verse 4 reminds us, this is a huge verse of, for those that are like, oh, I'm chosen. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by people, rejected by men, in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, the living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. You've seen building projects today, they go up pretty fast. See those buildings down in East Lansing? Those things are up. Well, boop, they're up. I, I'm going to dare venture. I might not be right. But if we fast forward 100 years from now, I don't think people are going to take tours in those buildings about how elaborate. Look at the architecture. Look at this. Oh my, they must have taken a lot of time like we do when we go to castles or we go into historical buildings. And there was some generations that would build a project that they wouldn't even get to see finished because it would exceed their lifetime. you imagine that? Saying, hey, okay, look, let's team up. I got this business idea. It's going to take us over 100 years to complete. But we're going to die. We're not going to get to see it. Come on. If we couldn't see it, would we still want to do it? That would be, that's hard, isn't it? Is it hard? If you didn't get to see it, your work, your fruit, your effort, that's hard. Why is that hard? That's not a biblical mindset that it would be hard. That's typically a Western mindset, that, that's the, we won the championship. Where are you going? Disney World, you know? God's not saying that because God's not looking for the achievement. He's not looking for the completion as much as he's just looking for us to surrender and be faithful in a little and to be consistent when no one's looking. To be built up as a spiritual house, not one that's just going up quick, 
to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. I want to go to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, and also give a filter of what growth could look like. And then we're going to look specifically at one story of how God recruits and how we can be recruited to not look at the outside, but the inside growth that takes place. It says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. If we redefine success as this first verse, am I growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus, period? Wow. And let everything else flow out of that. That's too basic. Jesus is teaching us basic things that are game changers. We're going to look at David's life of how he gets recruited by God. And David, if you're familiar with David out of the Bible, he is known for slaying a giant, Goliath. He's known for failing with when kings are supposed to go to war. He sleeps and cheats around with Bathsheba and then eventually kills her husband to cover the guilt. And he's also known as a musician. He plays music so much so that it could even soothe King Saul, that the evil spirits that were tormenting him. He's a poet. He's wrote many psalms. He is heroic in so many ways. But when God picked him, he didn't care about any highlights or the lowlights. He cared simply about the heart. And this is where growth always begins, I believe, continues and finishes. First Samuel chapter 16, verse 1 reading out of the CSB, and I think it illustrates just a simple way of what the story looks like. The Lord said to Samuel, how long are you going to mourn for Saul since I've rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. It's important to know that God didn't institute for the people of God to even have a king because he was already their king. And what happened is along the way, Followers of God, the children of Israel, would compare themselves to other nations. We want rulers. We want kings. We want judges. We want to be like them. So finally, they get what they want, and there's bad kings, and there's good kings. And this still happens today. Anytime we substitute the king of kings in our life, we are left with a void. There's a vacuum. There's residue. That, there's scar tissue. There's pain. There's no relationship. There's no boss. Nothing can substitute what God wants to do and be on the throne. God is the one who is the king. And too often we replace with another king, and that's what took place. And here you have Saul, but Saul was not God's king. And eventually his reign's going to end. And now God is going to send a new king that's going to be a type that's going to point to the real king, which is Jesus. You still with me? Guys, still with me? We're going to grow. We're, we're growing. We've got to learn a little bit, marinate on it. Um, and he says, I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem because I have selected a king from his sons. Oh, what a mission. Samuel, he's a prophet, also a judge from God. And he's going to go now find the king that's amongst the sons. Now, he might think of this picture when he's looking for which one's the king. Probably look on the outside. So this, I got Carl Lewis up here in the top left corner. Look at that. Carl Lewis, anybody remember him? He won four Olympic gold medals in, I don't know, the late 80s, maybe 92 probably as well, maybe 88. 
thinking 88, 92, probably right around there. Anybody? I, I was old enough to remember that. And Carl Lewis is amazing. Or maybe we define success as money here. Someone's got a lot of money. We feel tempted sometimes to think that they're successful. They may or may not be successful. What, or what is growth on the outside? Look at this tree. It's so big. So big. Another growth spurt. We got Manute Bull. Look at this growth spurt. It's over seven foot. What was Manute Bull? He'd shoot threes and stuff too. And then you have maybe a picture of what we think a king would be. All powerful with a tiger. All powerful with a tiger. I say that because let's read the story of how God chooses his king. But when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and said, certainly the Lord's anointed one is here before him. Samuel's like, we got the one. Why? He looks amazing. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at the appearance of his stature because I have rejected him. Humans do not see what the Lord sees for humans see what is visible. But the Lord sees the heart. That's something to celebrate, but that's also scary. That means God sees our heart. It means you can come to church and get it all ready. And you can fake every single person, but you can't fake God. But the neat thing is we know the one who made our heart. And it's safe to trust him with our heart. And how we do that is in the little things when nobody's looking. Jesse called Abinadid and presented him. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to read your Bible and do that kind of stuff and make up a name. Uh, presented him to Samuel. The Lord hasn't chosen this one either, Samuel said. Then Jesse presented Shammah. But Samuel said, the Lord hasn't chosen this one either. After Jesse presented seven of his sons to him, Samuel told Jesse, the Lord hasn't chose any of these paws. You have prophet from God saying, hey, dad, I want to see your kids because one of them is going to be chosen. All right, here's dad. All right, let me show you the first pick, second pick, third pick, fourth pick, fifth pick, sixth pick, seventh pick. Seventh pick? So dad's not even thinking right. Dad's not seeing this clearly. Look how countercultural God is. Samuel asks, are all these the sons you have? And he says, there's still this youngest, which would also mean there's a runt. He answered, but right now, he's tending the sheep. He's just, he's taking care, he, he's taking care of business. So you and me, we can eat, we can feast, we can negotiate, we can talk about this. Samuel told Jesse, send for him. We won't sit down to eat until he gets here. So Jesse sent for him. He had beautiful eyes and a healthy and handsome appearance. Then the Lord said, anoint him for he is the one. This is how David was found ever before he slayed Goliath. Ever before he came king, before he did the amazing things or even the amazing failures we talk about. He wrote scripture. He sang songs. He was powerful, slayed armies. The great David was tending sheep. And what do we learn from this? That God recruits so differently and we're in good company when no one else sees us. And we can be faithful with God about the smallest of things and success is now not determined by how the trophies we have or the 
the medals we wear or the money we bring to the table, but by how much God has our heart when no one is looking. Like we can fake it, but not with God. Anoint him for he is the one. Eventually Jesus steps on the scene. He is the anointed one, perfect, flawless, the real king to set all people free. Today, I wanna to bring us through just, just five things that I think can really help us. And I've titled this, The Slow Grow. The Slow Grow. We got 14 minutes together. We're gonna to do this little message and we're gonna uh, worship at the end and practice, but I don't want us to move on too quick. God's more interested in the slow grow than the fast grow. That's hard. I think instantly we're doing gymnastics. We want to be like, wait, I want to come on the scene when God did powerful things and he did miraculous moments. When Jesus showed up on the scene, there was 400 years before that God was silent. That's why there's no way the Messiah is here. The Messiah should heal. He unlikely recruits. He's found in unlikely places often. And number one, to have this slow grow, this is, is a new pro mindset, is looks are deceiving. She may be pretty, but that doesn't mean her mind is. He may have muscles, but he might not have morals. Now they may, she may be beautiful and be holy. That's awesome. But too often we're celebrating those that look beautiful. And now have you noticed this trend even on... Uh, fashion where they'll, they'll like celebrate a bigger model, right? And it's like, but, but she's still like skinny. I, I, you know the things I love looking around? I, I love looking around in normal, like you just go to McDonald's. Like, dude, most of us, dude, we're struggling. We're overweight and we look nothing like the people we see on TV. Where are these people? Where? They're not at Dollar Tree where I was yesterday taking the kids on a date. They're definitely not at Mickey D's. And in fact, they're not at the gym because at the gym, people are overweight like crazy too. Why? Because there's a mirage put in front of us all the time to say, this is what success looks like. And if I don't add up to this, then I'm not worth something. Now that doesn't downplay it. We should be, we try to do our best. Steward, you know, I think the verse, uh, verse of the day today in the Bible is, is that our body is a temple to the Lord. It's where the Holy Spirit dwells. Amen. Amen. I mean, if it's a mango or pack of Sour Patch Kids, maybe I choose the mango, but not because I think that I'm trying to get, gain approval. I'm just doing it because I'm trying to steward. There's a difference. And I'm not better if I have made good choices or good decisions. In fact, the Lord doesn't look at the outside appearances. He looks at the heart. So we could get the whole outside right, but have the inside nasty. What's interesting is, in 1 Corinthians, it reminds us of this in chapter 1, verse 27. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Everyone weak is like, amen. I'm weak. I can't do this. God. What about those in the room who feel, I'm pretty wise. I'm very gifted. And does God want to choose me? Absolutely. In fact, Paul who was Saul, was extremely gifted. Apollos was extremely gifted. But when gifted people come into the gifted one, they're, they're, they're in awe of how gifted God is. And, and, and in light of that, they're not. 
Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. All of my accolades are nothing compared to Christ. So the most gifted people, and this is a sign of those that have power or wisdom or, or, or any type of influence over others, is to, to, to exhibit a spirit of humility. And that's not easy. Because when, let's say you are gifted in an area and you're around people that aren't, sometimes the challenge is to look down upon instead of lift up. But Jesus, who was seated in heaven, he comes down with the lowest of lows, and he didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick. Oh, he was accused to be a friend of sinners. What would that look like if the church was accused to be a friend of sinners? We've been accused of a lot of things right now, and that's not one of them. In fact, the only people I'm hearing that the church is friend of sinners is, is fellow Christians. Oh, that church, they're not preaching against sin. Or that, and, and what it is, it's friendly fire. I, I'm, not, I'm not hearing any of the world say, man, Christians, they're just so for broken people. Man, they're just so, man, they just love all people. I'm just not hearing that. And maybe there's a, a page I'm not following. What I'm hearing is how we condemn people. And I think if we remember that we've been found, that God found us when we were just tending sheep, that we'll see the least of these and want to pull those in as well because we are the least of these. We don't look down upon. So looks are deceiving. Have you, um, have you ate any organic fruit? Organic fruit? It's popular now because it's showing up at Meyer and Kroger and Fresh Time, wherever you shop. Showing up at Aldi's. You know, we do the kind of the combo, go to a few different places. And my wife comes back. Sometimes the off-brand works, sometimes it doesn't fair? Like, tortilla chips without salt. Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> but the first time I saw organic fruit wasn't at a store. It was at a farmer's market, and I saw some organic raspberries in a little bit, little, you know, just basket, little cup holder thing, and, and it, they looked disgusting. And they were seven bucks. They looked like all the ones you throw out. They did. The bananas were half the size, but when I tried the raspberries for $7, shh, there was nothing like it. Why? Because looks can be deceiving. Good to see you, my brother. Just shoot. Looks can be deceiving. As Christians, are we buying the looks? Or are we living that organic God lifestyle? Number two, this is revolutionary. Slow is fast. If you want to go fast, go slow. In our culture, no one's impressed with how fast you can go. Go big or go home. We Look, that go big or go home is what it's all about. Like, who doesn't want to go big or go home? I want to go big or go home. And in fact, when you're with God, even when you're waiting, there's purpose. And slow is not meaning that we're going to be a sloth. In fact, we consider the ants ways. The ants all the time are working, storing, thinking ahead. But we're not determined by Egypt's schedule anymore. We don't have to just produce, 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 produce. We're not a slave to the clock. We've been set free. This isn't easy. Where do you find this? You definitely don't find this on TV. You don't find this in the movies. We're consumers. We're out spending. And while others are investing in, in, and we have to get off of that mindset and realize that God found us when we were just tending taking care of his sheep. Slow is fast. In other words, it's a crockpot Christian 
who tastes fantastic. A crockpot Christian who tastes fantastic. One of my best friends, John Mashney, who's here. If you want to subscribe to his writing, it's phenomenal. Theintenselife.com, for real. And I have tasted food that I'd never tasted before every time he cooks. And there was this dish. My wife and I went over there. It's called pabil. And this thing you put in a crock pot overnight. Oh, my goodness. Spicy beef. Incredible. But there's something about how it's being cooked slow that makes all the difference in the taste. There's something about a Christian that you find one that's just cooked slow. And it's all different about the taste. And somebody's just coming out all fast out the gate. Man, God, save me from my sins. You need to say bow now or bow later. Come on right now. Save Jesus to burn in hell. Like, like, yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. But can you just show up too? And just love? Like, you know? God's doing signs and wonders. Cool, he is, of course. You know, one of the greatest signs and wonders is that right now we're gathering in the name of Jesus Christ that you and me are the family of God. The, 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 the greatest, the two greatest signs and wonders One, the gospel being shared and heard. And then two, people being connected in the family of God. And anytime we put a little highlight above that, we're we're setting up a, a condition to be deceived. Check this out. So number three, slow is fast, number two. And then number three, it's not about the width. It's about the inch. Too much of our life, we're concerned with how wide our impact will be, how wide our reach will be. How will, and I think this has stopped us from just doing the basics. And some of us have given up. Some of us have given up because we bought the myth of the width instead of just the beauty of the inch. That we may never add up to whatever's on TV, but that's okay. We get to work with our dad all day. We fight for the inch. Have you ever heard this one? How do you eat an elephant? How? One bite at a time. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Now, I'm not advocating we literally eat an elephant, but what I am saying is this. If we were to even think about eating an elephant, we couldn't think about the end result. We would just eat the elephant one bite at a time. How do we solve some of our problems in our life? It's one bite one inch at a time. In our family, one inch with God. In our jobs, one inch. When the devil says we're a liar, one inch to repeat truth to replace it. The one inch moments. I watched a video by Ray who owns Grateful Apparel. His testimony, he's been in and out of jail. It's phenomenal uh, listening to how God has changed his life. And he said, he's going through a rough season. Thank you for all the brothers and sisters praying for me. I know you want to know what's really happening, but I don't want to really go into all the details. But I want to tell you this. God told me today the best way to get out of it is to do the next best thing. And that spoke to me. He goes, hey, and I'm going to go on a walk for my daughter, with my daughter today. I thought that was so neat. What does getting up look like? Just do the next best thing. I think we all know. If we're struggling with addiction, maybe the next best thing would be tell somebody. If we're struggling with greed, maybe the next best thing would be give. If we're struggling in our marriage, maybe the next best thing would be to listen. If we're struggling with our relationship with our kids, maybe the next best thing is take them to the Dollar Tree and tell them, look, I'm going to go big or go home. You can pick out three things. <laughs> three things. True story. Yesterday, I took the twins, Dollar Tree. It's amazing because the younger they are, you know, 
it's, they don't even care. They're like excited. And uh, the older kids get, the kids, older kids get on the date. They start, they start negotiating. We're going to go to spare time or we're going to go to five below or we're going to go to, you know, we're going to go to Best Buy. I mean, the, the, the requests get loftier the older they get. But the twins, man, the four, they're excited. We go there. We get the ninja toy. We take the ninja toy home. And uh, I get a text from Crystal. I'm on the next date with the kid because I've had a goal this whole year to take the kids on a date. You may think I'm superhero dad, but guess what? It was supposed to be the second Saturday of every month. And this is the second time I've done it. Why? Because sometimes the slow grow is not what I esteem in my life. Whatever's busy, next thing. And then what happens is the relationship God's called me to tend, the sheep, I miss. And I come back to the Dollar Tree with the next date. And uh, I was buying the exact same toys. Lady looks at me. 22 minutes later, she goes, what are you doing? I said, they already broke them. <laughs> Moral of the story, Dollar Tree toys don't last. But that's fine. We want our faith to last. Because when it's about the inch, check this, Proverbs 28, 19. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. Check how the message puts it. Work your garden. Imagine that if we just saw each other and be like, hey, how's it working your garden going? You working your garden? Are you working your garden? How's family, the relationships? You working that? You working that? You working that? You working that? That's awesome. Ask me those questions. Because even subtly, you know what we celebrate? We do this. We celebrate the truck. God found me before the truck was ever here. There was 12 people in a room and no one, like literally, people were like watching us like we were a case study. So you're going to plant a church. Oh, okay. That's, ama that's amazing. Um, I, I heard you rapped. Are you going to? That's so neat. We'll see how it goes. Uh, you guys are looking for support. Oh, that's neat. Like, you need money? Okay, well, we'll be praying for you. And that's fine, because we weren't doing it for them. We were doing it to answer the call of God. And he chose when no one was looking. And then he adds to the team. And now all get to come. And because we want to work, because the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. So the joy is actually in the labor. It's in the process. It's in the day-to-day. Play and party and you'll end up with an empty plate. Number four, worship team, if you guys can come up. We're going we're gonna to put this in practice. We're going to ask the Lord to do some slow grow in us today. The growth happens before anyone else notices. God does. How do you tell when some of us are growing? We may not notice, me and you, but God can. And some of us in the room, we've given up even the opportunity in, or given up the desire to grow because we were, life's trauma and life's circumstances forced us to grow up too fast. Something happened and we had to grow up too fast. And now we've medicated and sedated and we've overcompensated because the speed got so quick. But God's bringing us right back again, like Romans 9. That he is the potter and we are the clay. And let's stay on the wheel and let him mold. That means we might not make decisions as quick and we say, God, what do you want to do? And if we don't get an answer, we might wait and ask some others, what do you think I should do? That, that's hard. When I get an idea, my first thought is get it done, complete it, and move on to the next. To tell you how this plays out, um, 
one of our launch team members, we, we'd launched the church. And it was, they were, we were at Pat and Gill Middle School, and they looked around. And they go, it must be so neat to see this come to pass. And I stopped, and I go, oh, you're right. She goes, what do you mean? I go, I'm not even in the moment celebrating that it's so neat. I was already living five years ahead. I was, I was too rushed. I was too fast. I was just, I was like, oh, you're right. This is crazy that we actually came up with the 100 grand to do this thing. What? Whoa. This is crazy. There's actually people on the dream team. Whoa. You're right. To celebrate the little, the slow grow. Samuel, the prophet, this was the same model of how he grew. He grew in stature and favor with the Lord and with people. And we have this other cool, really famous person who's saved us. And if you're here today and you're not saved and you're stuck in sin, Jesus is so merciful that today he wants to give you a new life. And it's simply by saying, God, take my life, take my darkness, take my sin. I believe in you. You're the only way. And when you pray and ask him to forgive you and you repent, you make a change of direction and you just look at him, he makes you brand new. And it's beautiful. And that person's name is Jesus. In wisdom and stature, he grew. And in favor with God and people, that's how he modeled it. God and people. If Jesus waited till 30 to start his ministry, I think you and me can wait a little bit longer. Jesus walked on water, miracles, raised people from the dead. The only reason you and me are here today, Jesus. That one, he waited, he learned, submitted. He was a general laborer, a tecton. That means he, when we say he was a carpenter, we get this elaborate, like he was making beautiful things. He was his dad's grunt. Like he was just handyman. He could definitely do it, but he... He just showing up on the scene like, here I am, here's Jesus. That's why people didn't think that he was the king. Maybe the most powerful resources we have, we are undervaluing in our life. Maybe everything we see is a sham. And maybe the things that we don't see, if we ask God for that insight, it starts to just change the game. Change the game to rechange the pace. And then number five is to don't grow weary. God has this. Don't grow weary. God has this. Galatians 6, 9, and let us not grow weary of doing good. So we're about doing stuff. We're, we're doing stuff. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Some of us, we've made a habit of giving up. And today is the day we quit giving up. If there's one thing you give up, it's giving up. Can we just say that? Can we make that? It's about a people that even when we want to give up, we're going to text somebody and be like, I feel like giving up today. Well, don't give up. I'm going to pick you up. Hey, doesn't the phone feel about 500 pounds when you're struggling? Nobody gets it. I just wish somebody would find me. God finds us. One of my favorite verses is Philippians 1, 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Friends, why are we rushing when God will bring it to completion? The pace of grace. So what was David known for? Slaying Goliath? Yeah. Being a warrior? Yeah. Being a failure? Yeah. Being a musician? But what was he known to? By God, a person after his own heart. That's our prayer as we close. 
We're gonna sing you're the only one because he's the only one that can untangle this mess, this stress, this pace of Egypt, this pace and pressure. And maybe some of you don't even feel it because you're like, well, I don't feel any pace and pressure. You should feel a healthy pressure to be about the Father's work though. To tend. When even here, maybe we feel overlooked and all the other brothers get invited to the party and we got to do the heavy lifting. I know some of us, we're massive complainers. Oh, I have to do all the work. No one in my family. Look, if we're overworked and underpaid, we're probably ripe for a miracle. Overworked, underpaid, you're probably ripe for a miracle. So if you feel overworked, underpaid, join the club. God does great things with those people. We you close your eyes for a moment? Just ask the Lord, where are you too fast? Where have you put too much value on the outside? Because God wants to exceed your dreams. He does. He actually wants to give you more. <laughs> He's got more than Dollar Tree stuff in mind. He's thinking about 10 years from now, as he sees our faithfulness, not based upon our effort, but based upon the grace that's flowing through us, that even when we fall, a righteous person falls seven times, but gets back up. As we're not defined by the peaks or the valleys, but we're just defined by God through it all. That we reshape success today. The slow growth. To be a crockpot Christian. So friends, I just challenge you right now, examine your heart before the Lord and ask, man, God, where am I a little too fast? Where am I looking at the outside? Look at my heart. And he is a good, good father. He wants to hold your heart, protect your heart, heal your heart. He won't hurt your heart. Even if you had to grow up too fast, today is a day that the Lord is resetting that. He's protecting your heart. He's making it beat again. Maybe you've hidden it behind so many walls that you don't want anyone to get close to your heart because it's been hurt so many times that today it unravels. All the walls come down and you let Jesus hold your heart. I don't know where you're at, but God does. Will you stand and worship and just give it to him? Give it to Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.